0: Hey there, online family. Thanks so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. We believe that the message you're about to hear is a powerful one. We believe that the Lord is ready and willing to do a great work. And we believe that through this message, you'll hear from him today. So please enjoy. The last 99 days, this is the day 99 since the quarantine was established. Uh, Fifteen weeks since we actually met as, in a gathering like this on a Sunday morning, we, we've started with intercessory prayer on Tuesday nights. Small groups have started to reconvene, and so we're beginning to interact. But there's something about the gathering of God's people on, on a Sunday morning in this setting, and I believe that God's offered and ordained for this because there's so much that can be accomplished when we're together. There's so much that can be achieved, and I just want to take a moment and welcome the Casses, Andy and Christy Cass, are with us today, all the way from, what's the city (laughs) there? Rochester, Minnesota, Uh, Echo Church, recently began that church, and we we would watch our online service, and we would tune into Echo Church, so great to have you with us, and some of your family, there's Jim, and yeah, all you guys, and And also we have another guest pastor and his wife, Pastor Alan Peggy Duda from Sullivan, Missouri. So thank you for joining us this morning. And if there's others visiting us for the first time, I know some of you have connected online and you may be here for the first time. We certainly welcome you and we thank you for being part of the service. Um, This is a family reunion and hopefully everyone is excited to see the relatives because that's not always the case, okay? And as I said, it's been since March 15th that we have have not met on a Sunday morning. And in the 36 years of the history of this church, we've never missed a Sunday service other than an occasional snowstorm or ice storm or bad weather. But it's interesting, when I looked up the number 15, according to the Bible, the number 15 is considered to not only be a symbol of rest, but also a symbol of restoration, healing, and deliverance. And I believe that's significant. In fact, the 15th day of the Hebrew month, Nisan, is the first of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is a day of rest for the children of Israel. And the 15th day of the seventh month, the Hebrew month of Israel, begins with the Feast of Tabernacles, which is also a day of rest. So this is truly a day of rest where we can be secure in what God has accomplished and achieved for us, and bringing redemption and salvation, deliverance and healing. And we, we declare the 91st Psalm over this auditorium, over this facility, that no plague shall come near our dwelling. Okay? And so we're going to pray. And um, we want to pray for peace in our nation. And that you will be filled with joy and peace in believing. And we see that in Romans 15, 13. I'm going to read that in just a moment before we pray. Uh, but... And let me just say a couple of things, because there's so much that has been happening, so much that has been revealed and exposed, and and really the condition and the well-being of our nation. And as a church, we need to be a voice of reconciliation. We need to be a voice to bring healing. Uh, You're not going to change someone's mind until you reach their heart. Understand that. We need to get on a heart level with people. And maybe it's time you may have an opinion, but you have a purpose and a calling in your life that supersedes your opinion. And that's been decreed by God, and he wants you to move and walk in that. I believe that in uncertain times, we can come together and strengthen one another. We really can. Viruses may be contagious, but so is hope. Okay? Uh, The world may experience panic, but we can spread faith, love, Kindness, peace, and joy. Let me let me read Romans fifteen thirteen, then we're gonna pray. Romans fifteen thirteen says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. See the context of that is in believing. When we believe, we can be filled with hope, joy, and peace. It goes on to say, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. You know, hope is this thing called future expectation, future anticipation of what God wants to do in your life. And he's given us a future and a hope according to Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. You ready to pray? Let's pray. Father, we come before you in the precious name of Jesus. And we thank you for this gathering. And we thank you for your faithfulness that you've demonstrated over this time that we've not been able to gather in this setting. And Father, I just pray that you'd move by your spirit to re- To reveal revelation, insight, and understanding, so that we can truly be the church in this hour. That you would truly, Father, out of the chaos, that you would bring a move of your spirit that would release revival into this earth. Father, that the church would take its place and take its stand to serve your purpose as those who are called to the ministry of reconciliation, as those that are called to represent Jesus Christ as his ambassador that we could promote love and unity, Father, that we could build relationships, that we could reach out to the lost, to the dying, to the hurting, that we could be ministers of Jesus Christ in this present generation, serving your purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start with telling just a little story. Um, and it's about the first time I left home. I graduated in 1975, so that kind of dates me. I was 18 at the time, and it was the month of July. And I can remember the morning I was getting ready to leave home, and I was going to actually to visit my brother in Idaho, Mountain Home, Idaho. He was stationed at Mountain Home Air Force Base there. He's the one that led me to Christ. And, and so I was going out there, but when I was leaving home, in my heart, I knew that I wasn't going to just visit Mountain Home, Idaho, but that God had something more for me in that place, in that city, in that state, in the church there that I got connected and plugged into. But I can remember walking that morning thinking, I'm, I'm leaving home as, eight, as an 18-year-old. And I, I wasn't the one that was looking for opportunity to get out of the house. I was raised in a dairy farm. And on that farm, you know, I, I love being there. It, I love being at home. I love my family. I love the setting I was in. I always kind of look down on city kids. I call them city slickers, but, you know, no <laughs> offense, no offense. But, but yet, it, I can remember walking into the cornfield, and it was July 4th, and you know the saying, knee high by the 4th of July. And that year, it was more than knee high, it was waist high. And I'm thinking, good crop this year, and thank you, Lord, for my, my dad and the farm here. But I can remember getting on the road and traveling all by myself in my 1967 Chevy Impala. Now, that was quite the car. It was fire engine red. I paid my brother about $600 for it. It was my older brother's car. And, um, it, and now that car would be worth a whole lot more because it was in good condition. But driving out there, and, and I can remember I'm now leaving home on my own. And so got out to, I, I, I could share a whole lot about the journey I stopped at a little motel and I couldn't sleep because I was afraid that somebody's going to break into my car. So I kept peeking out the window and looking. Is it okay? And yeah, I, yeah. I was I, I was a little bit fearful back then because I was inexperienced, didn't understand life and all that. In, in stepping out, this was pretty scary for me as a young man. But I can remember when I. Went out to meet, I met with my brother, and the second night I was there, he prayed with me, and I, I was baptized with the Holy Spirit. I received the Holy Spirit in my life, began to speak in other tongues, and had this amazing encounter with God. God gave us a vision at that time, and I realized that something had changed, and it wasn't just in my heart, but God was going to do something in that place. And, and we plugged into a church, Mountain Home Assembly of God, Pastor Brother Duncan, he was a man from Oklahoma. I had an accent. Uh, his wife was the greatest cook in the world. And, and and we connected with that church, connected with that family. And I can remember after, you know, being there for a while, I realized, okay, this visit now has become a move. And so from July until December, I lived away from home. I, and I was pretty proud of myself because I got a job. I was making my own living. I was supporting myself. I wasn't calling mom and dad, hey, send money. And And so... But I planned a trip to be home for Christmas. And in that period of time, a lot took place in me. There was a lot of changes that took place in my life. But then when I realized I'm going home, there was an excitement. There was a thrill. There was an expectation. I'm going to go home. I'm going to be with the family. And and just, you know, I, I went home. And, you know, something, things changed. But the changes took place in me. Because things at home were pretty much the same. And there's certain things I realized I took for, advantage, or took for granted, like my mom's good cooking. Oh, man, I missed that. I, I, I love getting back into that routine, you know. And there were so many things I began to realize what I didn't value like I should because I was home again. But there was a greater maturity in me because I'd grown, I'd lived on my own, my parents were really proud of me. Son, you know, you did well, you know, kind of thing. And uh, so... That experience of homecoming, I can relate to even something now. There's something you've gained, something you've learned. Hopefully, you've grown. Hopefully, you didn't go the wrong way, the other way. But hopefully, coming together, you're better than you were before. And, and we're going forward from here to greater and better things. The best is yet to come. That was a theme that was something we actually have mugs made up with. The best is yet to come. And I've I've heard some people begin to catch that phase and put that out there. But I believe that's true. Do you? All right. So home, what is it to you? Well, there's no place like home. Billy Graham made a statement. He said, nothing can bring a real sense of security into the home except true love. And, And that's what I believe needs to be prevalent in this environment, this body, this gathering. And and as we gather from week to week in in our small groups, that there's true love that we encounter and experience. And it's the love of God uh, to us, in us, and through us. See, this has been a test and a trial that we've not encountered before. In all my life, in all my years of ministry, we've never encountered this before. But let me tell you this. Nothing takes Jesus by surprise. Nothing takes Jesus by surprise. This may have taken us by surprise, but he's on top of it, okay? In fact, the awareness of God's presence delivers you from all fear, from anxiety, from uncertainty, from distress and confusion. And so I believe that God continually wants you to encounter his presence. And that's something that's so valuable to me as your pastor, Pastor Deb and I. We want you, every time you gather, to have an encounter with the presence of God to be engaged in the word of God, to be built up and encouraged by one another, to be strengthened by revelation, by truth, to begin to discover your purpose, your assignment that God's called you to, and to release you to this world, to change it, to make a difference. See, a church is not just a place you gather to fulfill an obligation. It's a place you get equipped to be built up. And as a refuge, a refuge is a place people come because it's safe, right? It's safe. But you're built up, encouraged, and nourished so that you can make a difference when you leave these doors. Yeah, don't, I might start preaching here in a moment. Just bear with me. I want to talk about, in just a few moments, the role of the church. Because we understand the, the church is called to influence society, it's called to influence society. The church's role in our world is to be a voice of God's truth that speaks into the culture. We can't be silent. We need to be a voice of reconciliation to bring restoration to those who've not encountered the love of God and the person of Jesus Christ. And, and so there's, there's so much I want to say, but there's limited time, so I'm going to just say a few things, okay? Um, it, it's very vital, and I want to encourage you in this, and the fact that you're here today proves that you believe this, and that is it's vitally important for every believer to be connected to a church body. And to be plugged in. See, you have a place, you have a role, you have a purpose, you have a function to serve within the church. There's a place for you. There's room for you. And, and you can find that place and serve and function and grow in that. And so you can get plugged in. You might just have to get plugged in. Maybe you're not part of a church. Maybe now's the time. I'm going to get plugged in. I, I, I need to. In and, First and Corinthians 12, 18 uh, gives us some scriptural evidence of that and proof. It says, but as it is, God arranged the members. Speaking of the members of the body, that's all of you. That's me. He arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. One translation says he places us in the body where it's pleasing to him. Yes. Yes. And, and I, I appreciate when I hear people say, I know God's called me here. He's placed me in this church. And there's that connection. There's that sense of family. There's that sense of uh, what we can do together is more than what we can do individually because we can do so much for the purpose of God because God is on our side, amen? With him, all things are possible and there's nothing impossible with God. Oh, yeah, I could say some more on that. Now, a concern as you pastor, I need to share this from my heart. Over this time, You know, I I gave a lot of thought and and concern, and my prayer focus and attention went to it. For those within the congregation that are dealing with temptation, the effects of isolation, the, um, the pandemic of fear, and even physical infirmity, anxiety, frustration, and the such, those suffering from isolation, I believe, tend to be targets of the enemy because you feel all alone. You feel like you're the only one going what you're going through. But I think something that's unique about this pandemic, we've all, we're all going through it together. I spoke with uh, Bishop Grievous Musisi, who's actually uh, scheduled to minister. He is from Uganda. He, we support his ministry over there. We've been connected for years. And he's going to come here. He's actually going to present an award. He's a prominent leader in that country. And uh, just for the work that we've done in Uganda, and he's going to present that award um, from this pulpit and just thanking us as a church for supporting him for the last 20 years. And and and, and he shared something with me. He said, Pastor, 9-11 was something that pretty much just affected America. But this affects the whole world. We, we're we all in this together. And so, you know, I, I just think of missionaries and in missions and ministries that, that, are facing crisis and not able to accomplish and step into what they've been called to do because of certain restrictions. But yet, God is still faithful. He's still meeting needs. He's still the God who knows how to provide and supply every need. See, we've, we have had some meaningful and unforgettable moments these past 15 weeks. Would you agree? And um, I, I think we're, we're going to continue. We're going to con- am I coming through? Let me see. Am I coming through? Okay. Test. Can you hear me? Okay, I think it's working. Yeah, okay. I thought you lost me there for a moment, but let me check my battery level. It's still up. We got power, folks. Okay. <laughs> but Romans 8.28, I think all things work together for good. And for those who love God, that's... How many of you love God? And to those who are called according to His purpose. So God's going to work it all together for good some way, somehow, okay? And so we just have to accept that. That's truth, okay? Now, when the church does not meet, we realize and we can look historically that societies crumble without the church. Because I believe the church is a stabilizing force in society. Chaos breaks out in the land, fear and anxiety begins to grip the hearts of people, and the fallen, corrupt nature of mankind begins to rule. In fact, darkness is not kept in check, and evil begins to reign. And we've seen kind of that play out. And, however, when the church is deemed essential by the highest office in the land, and when leaders begin to recognize this, I believe that's a turning point. When the leaders say the church is important, we need the church. Welcome aboard. The church is a place of safety. It's a type of the ark. And we're inviting other people to get on the ark, okay? Because that's the only safe place when the flood tides rise. And, 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 and whatever pending judgment or whatever's going on, and you may have different theological views of all that's happening now, but we're going to focus on Jesus. We're going to focus on sharing his love to this world. Amen? Now, it's imperative that when we come together as a body, whether small groups, time of prayers, gatherings, for instructions in the Word, that's something we must do. Because the Scripture tells us, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. I believe that the church is the greatest and most powerful force in the earth to bring God's influence on earth and God's kingdom rule which occurs in the hearts of those that are transformed within by his love. See, God wants to change the culture. There's the influence of his kingdom. But the influence of his kingdom is what is happening and transpiring in us because we become influencers of change, catalysts of change. I believe that we are stronger together. A theme verse when we established this church 36 years ago, is Matthew sixteen eighteen. I'm going to share the second half of that. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus made a very powerful statement. He said he's going to build something. It's his church. This is part of his church. Church is something that's universal, something that's local. It's not a building, it's a people. Uh, this building is simply a facility to facilitate the vision of the church, so we can carry out the mission of the church. but the real church is is you and I, and anything I believe that God does always is an expansion of his kingdom and he said he 's building his church uh, the day that I was called into, uh, actually into ministry i can that 's another story. But the night before the first Sunday service, which was January twenty second, 1984, again, that dates me, I had a struggle with God, kind of like Jacob. I wrestled with the Lord. Have you ever wrestled with the Lord? I began the question, Lord, did you really call me to do this? Do you really want me to do this? Because I was trembling in fear. And I can remember the Spirit of God speaking to me so profoundly, it was this verse, Matthew 16, 18. Where Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. See, Jesus said he would build this thing. And then what he spoke in my spirit that evening was that I'm building this church. This is my church. You only have a part in it. Just do your part. And see, that's my encouragement to all of you. Just do your part, whatever that is, whatever that looks like. But Jesus is building the church. And I think anything that he's involved in is going to succeed. But we have to cooperate with him, right? We are the tools of, of in his hands to do and accomplish and carry out his work. The church, and you can write this down if you're taking notes, is the present-day ministry of Jesus Christ on the earth. It's done through the church. See, when the world looks at the church, if it's all messed up, they're not going to find Jesus. The world is to look at the church and the unity they see in the church is what is going to represent Jesus to them. And so that's important. You know, is the church essential? Essential? i got to say it right. Is the church essential? You better believe it is. How many of you saw the movie Superman Returns back in 2006, about that time? Superman Returns. Okay, a few hands up. Okay, you're dating yourself too. Okay. the classic Superman 2006 movie depicts the world in conflict without Superman, okay? Uh, some thought he left them for good, or maybe he was dead, but yet he still, all, he still had all of his superpowers, but was not present to function as he had previously functioned, and so uh, that became an issue. Now, realize that the church, the church not allowed to function in society because of religious persecution and political oppression, historically results in decline in society. And the Dark Ages is just simply one example. The Dark Ages, the Middle Ages, or the medieval times is the historic period traditionally referring to a time that asserts that a demographic, cultural, and economic deterioration occurred. But what turned the tide on that? It was the Reformation that changed things. A revival that swept the earth, resurgence of truth, faith in Christ, intervention of, the, of, of some things, but the inventing of the printing press so they could start publishing the scriptures, the gospels, and the Bible to put it in the hands of the common folk. So revival is something we need. Psalms, if you have your Bibles, look at it. Psalm 85, verses 6 and 7 with me. It says, Will you not revive us again? Psalms 85, 6 and 7. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. That's a plea. That's a cry. If there's going to be revival... It's going to mean that there's going to be a revelation of the love of God. And he's going to be saving people. He's going to be granting salvation. Just just write that down. Look at it later, okay, that, that reference. I just want to share a couple of thoughts with you. What have we learned from this pandemic? Well, we've learned that God remains faithful. Psalms 119.90, which has been kind of a theme verse we've embraced this year. Uh, the CEV version reads, you remain faithful in every generation. You remain faithful in every generation. Hopefully, you've learned what's really important in life. Hopefully, your priorities have changed during this pandemic. The importance of the family, family time together. I- I've heard so many people say, I- I'm enjoying the time spending with family. And and just you know we're working things out. Um, the importance of relationships, whether it's building, nurturing, or preserving or restoring relationships, it's all part of it. And again, as I said, the church is not a building. First Corinthians fourteen twelve, uh, the building is just a place where we meet to facilitate the vision of the church. But First Corinthians fourteen twelve, this is something we need to embrace. It's to seek to excel in the building up of the church. We need to seek to excel in the building up of the church. And, and that's, that's a role. That's your assignment um, today. And I'm going to just put that on you. you. You receive that. Take that to heart. And do what you can to encourage and build one another up. And challenge them. Sometimes we have to confront people when they're doing goofy things, okay? Um, you cannot stop the church from living out the greatest always. Oh, I want to share this. These these are things that you can't do, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's a national crisis or whatever. Some things you can't do. You can't stop the church from living out the greatest commandment, which is to love your neighbor as yourself, to love one another as I've loved you. you. You could not stop or cannot stop the church from serving. Because we 're still serving During this time we 've provided meals for 7500 7, meals Over the course of weeks, we had volunteers come and prepare meals and, and just bless the community in whatever way we can we 've continued to keep our child care open for essential uh, workers and, uh, just, and we commend those childcare workers and, and you know something we 've seen that is a historical miracle during this three month period. Um, we haven't had one child sick in our child care center. Wow. Wow. Now, you might say, well, that's because you've been sanitizing more, you know. <laughs> They're sanitizing five times a day. We are at the building. Uh, after the end of the day, doing all this extra stuff. But historically, that's crazy. You know, when you get 70 to 100 kids to gather in one place with caregivers, you know, you, you're bound to have one kid at least get the sniffles. But, but that's a miracle. Amen? And if you, if you work at Cane Land, raise your hand. Just, we want to give you guys a hand. Raise your hand. Okay, look at the staff that sit here. I love you guys. Here's a big one. You cannot stop the church from giving. Whoa. You cannot, restrain, you cannot restrain the generosity of those who have made giving into the work of God a settled issue in their life. And that was a real test because I'm going to, we're not receiving offerings. Okay, this is all online. But we have seen people respond in generosity. And, and, and thank you for your obedience and giving. And then another one, this is a big one too you cannot stop the church from preaching the gospel. You know, even though Paul was imprisoned and isolated, he was able to preach the gospel by writing letters that reached the people of, of his generation. And that have impacted us to this present day and will in the future. Yeah. The church has the power to influence the nation and the nations of the world. Matthew 28, 18. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, making disciples. Uh, The world needs a church. They just don't know it. Okay, And and we must reach out to our community to make a difference. Okay. Uh, We can't be silent. We can't retreat. We need to advance the purpose of God because we are the light of the world by Jesus' own statement, but we can't remain hidden under a bushel basket. Matthew 5.14 tells us that. Let's look at that verse because I believe that God establishes the church in the community to be a light to that community. Matthew 5.14 says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Light gives direction. It gives focus. It gives perspective. So people can see the need in their life for Christ. So they can see what God has made available for them. So their eyes can be open to the lie, to the deception that has kept them in the bondage of sin. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. And I want to speak this to all of you. This is a word to you. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Collectively, you're the body but yet God sees you as an individual member. Yes, right. See, your individual membership matters and accounts to God. Right. It makes a difference. See, the church is universal, yet its mission is local. Right. In its local churches, local churches serving in the communities make up the universal church. And let me just share this, because we're going to bring this to a close right now. And, and again, as I said earlier, we want to point you to Jesus, and we want you to point others to Jesus because he is the hope of the world. He really is. Don't limit God to what you understand. Don't limit God to what you understand. And, and I want to share and close with this passage we see in Micah six eight, because more than ever, we need to seriously heed the word that the Lord declared through Micah, uh, the prophet in Micah 6 8, during a time of unrest and confusion in the nation of Israel, which I believe we are now facing in this present time. But Micah 6 8, this is simple, clear, but strong instruction for believers, okay? It says in Micah 6 8, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness? And walk humbly with your God. Now as we close this service, we're going to do two things. We're going to extend an invitation to anyone that does not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And we're going to also extend a challenge in light of Micah 6a for a renewed commitment to serve the purpose of God for your life. And so how do we best regroup, reconvene, or reboot? Because this is kind of a fresh start. And God gives fresh starts at different periods of our life. And maybe the fresh start you need right now is is to encounter Jesus for the first time. Or maybe you've walked with God for a season of your life and and now you've drifted away, but you're here today ready to make things right with God. And and one of the things that I do whenever I go to a place, and I've been called a number of times over the years to pray for somebody on their deathbed. And... um, sometimes they have not made their peace with God. And that's the question I ask them. Have you made your peace with God? And either if they're a believer and they love Jesus, it's like really quick. They'll say, oh, yes, I have. And I said, so do you know that when you die, where are you going to go? And they say, oh, yes, I'm going to be in the presence of God. I'm going to be home with Jesus. But yet I've discovered that not everyone can say that because they don't know that because Maybe they've lived their life thinking that their good works might outweigh their bad works. And if that's the case, then they'll make heaven. They're putting their trust in what they do rather than what Jesus did. And so I say to them, would you like to make your peace with God? And then I began to just share the gospel with them of what Jesus did for them. How he died on the cross. He, he bore their sin. And, and then I lead them in a sinner's prayer, which I now call the believer's prayer. Because it's a prayer that we pray to put our faith in Jesus Christ, to appropriate his grace, his mercy, his love in our lives. And the result, the outcome of that and that commitment to Jesus, that meaningful commitment, is that we become a new creature in Christ. Our nature is changed, transformed. We are forgiven. We're cleansed. We're made brand new. According to 2 Corinthians 5.17. So with that said. We're going to deal with that first. Have you made your peace with God? Now, you don't have to say anything out loud, but in your own heart, you can answer that question, either yes or no. And if you haven't, I just want you to take a moment. Everyone, bow your head. If you haven't made your peace with God, and and you believe today is the time that you are willing to make your peace with God, to accept the gift of salvation, to repent of your sin and, and turn from living for yourself to begin to live for God. If that's you, lift your hand. So I need to make my peace with God, Pastor. Hold up your hand. Okay? Thank you. Are there others this morning? Thank you. Okay, you can put your hands down. And I'm going to have you stand at this time together as a body of believers. And I'm going to lead... In a prayer, as I said, I call this the believer's prayer. And this prayer initiates something in your heart. It's a starting place that begins to direct you in a journey to begin to walk with God and to live for Him and experience His life in your life, in your heart, His joy, His peace, his love, his forgiveness. And I'm going to ask everyone to pray this prayer after me out loud. And those of you that lifted your hand, or maybe you were a little hesitant to lift your hand, pray this prayer sincerely as you prepare to make your peace with God. Repeat after me, Heavenly Father. I come before you right now in this moment, and I ask that you forgive me of my sins. repent. I want to make peace with you. And the only way that can happen is for me to surrender my life to you. So I do that now. I believe that you sent Jesus to die for me. And that he rose from the dead to give me life. Jesus I invite you into my life, into my heart. Forgive me and make my life what you want it to be. In Jesus' name. Now, in your own words, just talk to him. Talk to him right now, Jesus. I'm giving myself to you. I'm opening my life to you. Forgive me. I believe you raised from the dead to give me life, to save me from my sins. Jesus. Now the gift that Jesus has for those who believe and receive him is eternal life. So that means at the moment of your death you'll be ushered into the very presence of Jesus. But from that time before that happens and for this time, you have a new opportunity to live for him and serve his purpose and experience all that he has for you. So we're going to have people up here at the end to pray for those that responded to that invitation. And uh, God's going to meet you in a very significant place today in your life. So the second thing we want to do is to renew our commitment to serve the purpose of God for our lives. And whatever that looks like, if you're visiting, I mean, we got pastors visiting from other states. They're serving the purpose of God for their lives. And we have people that are different places in the walk with God. But yet all of us can come to that place of renewing that commitment. If you're a believer, to renew that commitment, to serve the purpose of God for your life, that's so important. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. And as a body of believers, we renew our commitment to serve your purpose. willing to do that, just lift your hand before you. Lift both hands in worship. Both hands in surrender. And say this after me. Father God, this day I I renew my commitment to you to serve your purpose for my life. I surrender. I yield myself to you. Not my will but thy will be done.